0: Hey, this is Chris Lafay, and this is Nathan Stuck, and welcome to the Chat with Leaders podcast, where we are passionate about amplifying the voices of remarkable leaders who use their influence as a force for good. And this episode is a part of our special series of chats with leaders associated with our partner, Be Local Georgia, which is a collection of for-profit companies each dedicated to creating a bright future where businesses operate as a positive influence on society. And today we are proud to host Mike Menina, president of ThriveWorks and VP of Strategic Partnership for Thrive Farmers. And Nathan, I know this is one of the first B Corp leaders that you ever met. So tell me a little bit about Mike's story.
1: Yeah, Mike and I met at the uh, Champions Retreat, which is the big B Corp conference back in 2018. And I was just kind of thinking about forming Be Local Georgia and obviously needing to know some of the B Corp leaders. And Mike was gracious enough to spend some time with me. We actually ended up having our, our first ever, I guess, Be Local Georgia happy hour down in New Orleans. And Mike was was one of the guys there. And, and in, in a weird way, it was great to meet him there because there was an underwhelming lack of representation from Georgia, from the South in general, of this kind of new version of leadership and hearing Mike's story and Thrive's story and the work they're doing to build communities and build viable economic systems that can rebuild communities, rebuild cities um, down in Central and South America. I was really blown away and inspired because Mike has this non-traditional, I guess, route into business. Most people kind of go to business school and they start somewhere entry level and they build their career from there. And Mike started in policy and moved to Washington, D.C. and worked in policy for over a decade and quickly learned the limitations of what government can do and what policy can do. So he ended up in the private sector, realizing that businesses have a an incredible role to play in kind of shaping the world be a better place and that businesses can use that force and their economic clout as a force for good. So he ended up at Thrive and has just done incredible things. And, And I think what our listeners will hear today are some of the stories he tells from his travels, from his background in policy, from his time working in D.C. and how that molded his leadership style and his way of thinking and his desire to really just be a force for good in the world. And I think I think our listeners are really going to enjoy this episode and hearing from Mike and everything he has to share and the wisdom he has to offer.
0: Well, let's go ahead and punt it back over to Jeff for his conversation with Mike. Welcome to Chat with Leaders,
2: Mike. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to be here.
3: It is such a great pleasure to have you on, a fellow Georgia Bulldog from class of 2004 that has... Mm-hmm done amazing, amazing things in the world. And so I'm so grateful that you're spending this time with us and that we're diving into the topic of disrupting poverty through collective action.
2: I love the work you're doing and highlighting the work that the rest of us are all doing in the world. So thank you. Yeah,
3: you're very welcome. We're all about amplifying the influence of those leaders who are using their talents and their gifts as a force for good in the world. I think you made a point in uh, one of the most uh, recent podcasts that you've done that we have a limited time in this world. And so we have to make the most out of every minute that we've got. So I thought that was really sage advice.
2: It definitely is a strange thing that has driven me my whole life of just, Mm -hmm. we never know how long we have and Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you want to maximize your whole life of doing good? And I think a lot of people think like that.
3: Amen. Yeah, there's a big movement towards it. And I think even uh, consumers these days are demanding that they do business with companies and vendors and leaders that have that type of mindset. And so there's a a lot of energy around that, particularly coming out of the, uh, the wilderness season of the pandemic. And so it's great that you've been doing this for a long time as it is, you're positioned well. I'd love to start by asking you if you could share your founding story of ThriveWorks and how you arrived at your formula that advances flourishing communities across the globe?
2: Yeah, so it is a long journey. It's over a 20-year journey. And what's been interesting for me is seeing how none of the past experiences and engaging cultures around the world have gone wasted. And so now Thrive Works is kind of this accumulation of understanding cultures, understanding our common human existence, understanding what makes us far more similar than different as individuals, as humans, but then identifying the unique intricacies of each culture. And so my path was out of Georgia to Washington, D.C. And I got to spend 12 years in kind of the policymaking, diplomatic circles, government circles, thinking through national security, thinking through how economics drives flourishing, thinking through how good legal systems drive flourishing writ large. And then I got to experiment with ideas and work in different countries like Afghanistan during the war era and lived in the Middle East for three years working on kind of regional economic development. And all of the time, it just felt like there is a role for government. There is a bigger role, I'd argue, for the private sector to really drive economic opportunity, which was at the heart of flourishing. And so the the common theme I saw in those almost two decades was that at the root of almost every ill, corruption, drug trafficking, terrorism, war at the root of it often was the lack of economic opportunity, Hmm. the lack of purpose, the lack of inclusion in something that mattered. And so As I transitioned out and met the founder of Thrive Farmers, the coffee venture that has completely changed the economics of the coffee industry, we shared a common vision for the role that business could play by doing business in the parts of the world that were the most marginalized. And then the need to still have an organization like ThriveWorks, which could take the best of theory, the best of international development practices, but infuse them into a market-driven approach that then unlocks local leaders who, uh, with indigenous leaders, really having the best answers to their own challenges. You cannot solve challenges from the outside in. You have to solve them from the inside out. So the idea was birthed for ThriveWorks. Let's take all of the expertise and learnings from the past 20 years of working on the government side of systems, and then let's bring the best of the marketplace that's already being disruptive in their industry. And then let's fuse those two passions and turn it into a structure and a process. And now we're six years in to what I call a 20-year experiment. And I feel like the results are very promising.
3: Absolutely. Well, I love that. First of all, the alignment of vision and values with the founder of uh, Thrive Farmers and being able to bring those together and use that influence. I love what you said about policy change having its place, but the lasting impact of changing the economics of the supply chain and the farmers and the agriculture and you need to make those fundamental changes to change kind of the systemic issues that exist within those worlds. And, you know, I think a lot of people think, okay, you can go and you can do these mission trips to these countries and sprinkle your magic dust and, and have it be kind of a one-off, but it's not uh, creating that, that lasting perpetual change. And what you guys are doing is, is truly amazing in that respect. And what my curiosity is, is how this experience with this movement has informed the way that you look at the responsibility of leaders to collaborate and to use their influence as a force for good in the communities they serve.
2: That is the heart of what you've got. We as humanity have to figure out and tap into. Our best impact in Latin America in the rural communities we work has come from locals who caught a vision that they could make a difference and then Realize that they have the internal talent and giftings to actually achieve it. And then our job was to resource them and arm them to do it. And I think that same call, you know, I hold all in our own country with such great and immense privilege of education and financial prosperity and opportunity and influence. Our job as leaders in, in the US and in the in, in US markets is to use that and wield that for good. And I think I would challenge us each to say, hey, the same issue we're dealing with in in, uh, rural countries. They look to others to create the change that they're frustrated with. So they they see a problem, they're like, this is broken. I'm frustrated. Somebody else should fix it. And they've become dependent on others coming and fixing. And that's partly, you know, we're at fault for our own foreign assistance programs and and aid and international aid. And that's a whole nother conversation. But the reality is we're doing the same thing in our own culture right now, where we think it's up to our elected officials, local, state and federal, to solve all the problems. And and even in the B Corp movement, you know, my challenge to everyone there is, hey, what can we do ourselves that is not necessarily changing policy to ask the government to come fix something when we know we can make our communities and our employees in the marketplace better just by being an excellent company, and that's where I get really excited and jazzed. And I think ThriveWorks has almost has this side coaching business that's we do it for free, but uh, maybe we should charge for it someday. But where we're finding other leaders out there who want to create great and lasting change, but don't necessarily have like a pathway to do it. And so they just assume they need to become activists and talk to their government leaders. And we're trying to say, hey, let us help you think through the impact that your supply chain is already having, and then how to how to double down on that. And maybe we can help, or maybe we can connect you with groups that help. But the concept too, that's important to, is to note is none of us can do this alone. No leader, no matter how visionary or talented you are you have a limited capacity and what we found is in poverty that is a insanely complex challenge right and the concept of human flourishing it's it's being talked about all the time it's like this new thing everyone talks about as though like they it's achievable and simple and everyone gets it it's super complex right this is from adam and eve beyond human flourishing has been a challenge (laughs) And so I think uh, we need to admit that, and then admit that we're not going to solve it singularly. And that's where collective action becomes so important, where leaders need to be working with other leaders, and organizations need to be working with other organizations, and bring those different disciplines, the multidisciplinary approach, to the table. And uh, I think that's really the future of ThriveWorks. Is we've proven on a small basis what it looks like to collaborate with marketplace actors, companies with supply chains in a place, with the NGOs who have a very targeted and special expertise, with then the broader ecosystems of governments, of churches, and, and these other places in civil society that all are essential, but don't really have an avenue to work together. So we've kind of given some flesh to that. And then made it happen and then done it on a small basis and then a larger basis in Costa Rica and Guatemala. And now we're looking to expand and take that model to the world.
3: I love it. And it's not just rhetoric. You guys are living that out and you're holding yourselves accountable to that work. And I love that you're empowering other leaders to look at that collective action and their unique gifts and talents as a way to contribute and be a force for good you're right. There's always the ideal uh, that everyone is focused on human flourishing. And then there's the real that we don't quite know how to do that, but we are stronger together.
2: This episode is brought to you by Inspire EDU, a nonprofit organization putting technology devices into the hands of Atlanta's underserved communities. The need for technology devices has accelerated due to the pandemic, and Inspire EDU makes a positive difference helping marginalized learners. Through its partners and supporters like you, Inspire EDU helps learners become 21st century scholars. Learn how you can support their mission at iuatl.org.
3: You guys have gone through the certification process of becoming a certified B Corporation and part of B Local Georgia, which this is a special edition for and which we're super excited about because it's all about being a force for good. So what was the impetus of your leadership team making that decision to become certified and how has that helped you score the impact that you're having to keep you on track with that
2: mission? As part of Thrive Farmers, We, as a management team, leadership team, made the call probably, I think, five years ago. So, and the reason we wanted to become a B Corp was the assessment was so clear and so good to hold us accountable on areas that we had not even considered. So, we were really big on our community impact and we were weaker in other areas. And so, having that kind of assessment tool was really helpful. Now, innovative companies like ours and many others we've talked to have got had to work with B Labs to alter their assessment to open their minds a bit to what true impact looks like they had I remember they had questions at one point that was like what percentage of your supply chain is fair trade certified or certified through one of these other means and we were laughing cuz we were like Our whole company, Thrive Farmers, existed because some of those certifications were not creating the impact for farmers that they intended to do. And we felt like we could build something better. So we joked, we were like zero percent, but then, you know, the heart of it was, was right. And so we got to work with that. But overall, it's been a great community. We've learned from so many other B Corps, been inspired by many and have a real score that we get to measure ourselves to. So we started. I think at like 82 was our first score. And then when we just recertified last year, we went up to, I should know this, but it's like 95, maybe 93. And, and it was great to just see that progress. So but we've been big fans of the assessment and the process.
3: Yeah. It's so great to be able to have that uh, quantitative benchmark in, in that feedback loop too. Right, And then sometimes we're insular in terms of the efforts that we're having. And we think we're doing a great job of being open to that kind of feedback and being vulnerable enough to say, what can we be doing better or differently to have an impact in the world, but also to bring a fresh set of eyes and perspective to the system and to the movement to say, hey, as a whole, what can we be doing better as a force for good? But the one thing that I've certainly found true is that it is chock full of leaders that look at their influence and their responsibility uh, with what they do uh, very seriously. And I I think that's just such a wonderful thing to be part of a community like that.
2: It really is great. For us, it's kind of been finding some of the other founders out there who are the real deal. You can't just fully greenwash the B Corp assessment. It's that robust. So it is like a vetted community of people that care. And I think our challenge as we look to the future of the movement is how do we maintain the momentum of the big tent approach to doing good and not get too narrowly defined by very a smaller subset of what good really looks like. I think we're in the in the middle of a turning point as we've kind of seen pressures from culture writ large kind of creeping into the B Corp movement and in almost defining the broad social good that the assessment really does help us achieve, defining it much more narrowly. And I think that's something we've got to watch out for and hopefully overcome.
3: I think that's sage advice. And and really, there is intense polarization in our society today. And I'm really curious, going back to the amount of global experience you have, just working in different countries, on the government side, on the economics of what you're doing now. How do you think, given your perspective, that leaders can promote kind of a a for-good, more loving, inclusive, forward-thinking workplaces, just while being laser-focused on that mission of social impact versus getting caught up in the perilous division that's distressing so many communities in this season of time?
2: I think business leaders who are passionate about the value that they're trying to bring the world and why they started their venture in the first place, I think it is the secret sauce and the key to overcoming all the other divisions. If you think about how society is stratified and divided the last few years, it's largely on these ideological and largely political divisions. In these circles, look, it's important. I I was in that world for a long time, and I stay engaged. But but it is not the end all be all. At the end of the day, and I was I'm in a you know in our neighborhood, we're part of a summer league swim team. And I don't know if any of you have ever done summer league swim team, but it is actually to me one of the most important community builders at a local level that you could possibly have. Every week for the summer, your kids. And every parent is volunteering for four to five hours in this like crucible experience in each other's neighborhoods. And you're crammed around a swimming pool and you're all together cheering on your kids as they advance in their athletic performance and they swim things that they don't know how to swim and they're almost drowning, but they overcome like it's just filled with like community building. That has nothing to do with policymaking, right? So the same is true with businesses. If we're really good and, and focus on excellence, we focus on the one thing that our company is best suited for. For Thrive Farmers, that's coffee, supply chain, agriculture. For Thrive Works, that's disrupting poverty by creating collaborative environments between the marketplace and NGOs and government, and then driving those projects. We can work with anybody from any ideological spectrum, so long as you're willing to put some of the spectrum behind and focus on the goal. What's the problem we're trying to solve? And are we achieving those results? And are we doing it with excellence? When everybody starts doing that, all of a sudden, the noise of politics, it really becomes way less important. And all of a sudden we see our common humanity and we see, oh, we really like each other. And so that's why I even bring, I bring up the swim team example because it just, it clicked on me the other night. (laughs) And I'm like, there's probably nothing more edifying for this little community here, these three or 400 people around this pool tonight, than what we're doing. And nobody's talking politics. Nobody's, frustrated with the noise that you're seeing in the news. So, so that, that, that would be another soapbox is if you're going to start reading and you're going to engage and you want to learn and educate yourself, I think that's amazing. And you should do it. Go to books, (laughs) go to, uh, thinkers and writers and philosophers and people who have lived through a similar experience, but maybe a thousand years before you and hear what they're saying the observations they're making and how those parallels with today. And all of a sudden you you're freed from the noise kind of frantic noise that you hear in the news. And you can focus on the core issues and, For me, it's been really helpful, especially during the pandemic.
3: (laughs) I love that. And what a great way to avoid those echo chambers and to focus on loving thy neighbor and focusing on the things we have in common versus the differences, which is often maybe in the 90 to greater percentile of how we think and what we want in the world, what what we view the world for. And so a beautiful way, I think great appropriate analogy as well. Mike, if people wanted to learn more about your leadership and follow Thrive Farmers, Thrive Works, and get involved in the movement or learn how they can use their collective action in the world, what would be good ways for them to follow you online and to get in touch?
2: I think start by going to our website, www.thriveworks.org. It's like not an amazing uh, site we're way behind, but there's a few ways that you could follow us. You can sign up for our newsletter, which is actually pretty dense with really interesting things. And then we always are looking for companies that want to bring their supply chain into this human flourishing organization. And we're looking to expand beyond just serving coffee supply chain. So we're looking, we've talked to several clothing companies and manufacturing companies. And I think there's going to be a lot of synergy and opportunity to grow. So visit our website would be the easiest way.
3: Good. Well, it's such remarkable work that you're doing, Mike. We'll certainly be posting all those resources on chatwithleaders.com with the show notes. Thank you so much for your gift of time and how you're using your influence and your talents as a force for good in the world is truly inspirational.
2: Thank you, Jeff. It's been a pleasure to be with you.
3: Hey, this is Jeff Bond. And thank you so much for investing your time with us today. We'd be thrilled for you to subscribe, rate, review, and share this episode on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please also visit our LinkedIn page to join our leadership community by clicking follow. We're grateful for your engagement and for sharing the inspiration coming from our guests so we can add value to aspiring leaders in your network. Have a remarkable week and go be a leader worth following.